Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Pretty good. Yeah, doing good. I mean, uh, especially for this show, we gotta got to be feeling good because we're, like, tackling, like, one of the all-time great franchises again. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Well, I was doing the schedule, and I'm like, recording's on June 11th, my birthday. <laughs> well... A little birthday gift for myself. A little oh, Friday the thirteenth double feature. And by the way, this is happy birthday, Kurt. Happy Thank birthday. You. Thank you. Thank this you. This is awesome. This is it's very cool that we're doing this on your birthday and that you wanted to do this on your birthday. Of That's course. pretty awesome. Of course. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, I'm like well, what else are we gonna do on my birthday? I gotta talk about Friday the thirteenth, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I checked and we haven't talked about these ones, so worked out pretty well um arguably i think these are both friday the 13th movies that have value in different ways it's just i think one is more apparent than others like obviously people love part four and part six is like the the two highest points in the franchise but Mm -hmm. people sleep on part five it's it's actually quite fun in a lot of ways i think Um, you know I, I think there's reasoning behind that, and I'll kind of get into it when I talk about my first viewing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I honestly think that there's there's kind of valid reasoning for that. Yeah, like I I, I think part five is a very consistently entertaining movie. It's mm-hmm. it, it's not always well handled, <laughs> done, no. but like <laughs> it's trying to keep you entertained consistently throughout, even if it's not always the most competently doing so. But a for effort. It's like the kid in class is just really hustling hard. You're like, you know what? I see you're trying. You're trying hard. You're maybe yeah. not not <laughs> quite hitting the mark, but you're trying. All right. Uh, but what is Friday the Thirteenth Part Five? A new beginning, even about well. Years after Tommy Jarvis murdered hockey mask serial killer Jason Voorhees, he resides in a mental hospital and struggles with the trauma of the experience. When Tommy moves to an isolated halfway house, he has nightmares about Jason's return, and soon, one of the patients is killed. As the body count grows, Tommy begins to question his sanity and wonder if Jason has risen from the dead, but to determine the killer's identity, Tommy will need to survive. That must be one of the most balls-to-the-wall like movie summaries right but yeah i mean that is what the movie is about Um, but this the movie in canon kind of gets ignored right yeah to a certain regard i'm sure we'll talk about this but or even talk about it now but yeah like part six picks up and it's like yeah we don't know what the hell happened at the end of part five maybe he killed her maybe he didn't like what (laughs) because <laughs> because tom matthews tommy jarvis is so vastly different um than uh the john shepherd tommy jarvis yeah oh yeah and it's yeah. almost like that that he didn't go through the same things in part six 
Like he still has that Jason obsession, and that's obvious and stuff. But like, I mean, also like think of the ending of this movie. How does that play into part six at all? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's interesting too, and I'll, we'll probably talk about it more once we get to part six. But Tommy in part six almost has a more uh, like a comical kind of vibe to him a little bit more. You can, I, for me, it was easy to divorce him from the canon of Friday the 13th almost because he seemed like that movie to me just seemed so much more like satire that it it kind of like I wasn't quite sure exactly where it fell in the canon of it all but whereas this one almost feels a little like it has a little bit more of like the spirit of a a Friday the 13th movie with like this mysterious killer he's a little more played straight you know as opposed to being a little more over the top and silly I guess even though there were definitely some silly moments mm-hmm. in this movie <laughs> yeah. oh yeah for sure i mean the whole like chocolate bar scene is like borderline ridiculous until it just gets be- to become the like, most like gruesome disgusting thing it's like <laughs> i don't know yep. That's, that scene is like a very perfect representation of this movie both incredibly like just violent and uh horrific but also just goofy and silly at the same time i think mm-hmm. that's that's the weird little space that part five resides in. Um, but when was the first time we watched this movie? Um, I watched it because um, I watched, I think I just kind of watched all of them back to back to back to back, like VHS times. Uh, and I will say that coming, uh, especially coming off of part four and then going into five, when I first experienced it, this was one of my least favorite of the uh, the whole franchise. Right. Um, because I feel like it just, it takes all the teeth out of the hero that Tommy Jarvis was in the first, in in, uh, in Final Chapter. Yeah. Um, and um, I just didn't like what they did to, to, to Tommy's character. Right. I just, I, I, I thought like, okay, this is supposed to be your 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 main kind of protagonist now going forward if you're going to keep bringing this character back which they do three times right mm-hmm. if you're going to bring these this character back then there needs to be consistency in it and there's not you could tell that the franchise wasn't even like that the writers weren't even thinking that mm. um but watching it now like watching it for the podcast um out of sequence and just watching it as movie i enjoyed it a hell of a lot more yeah I think too, yeah. like, J- like Tommy is so much more of a conflicted person, and I don't think it's nearly uh, represented or done well enough. But I, I think I see like the little bit of the effort of them trying to be like, oh, Tommy, like you're supposed to suspect that Tommy may be the killer, because I think they're mm-hmm. trying to hint at that at a few times in the story. Like he's he's disturbed. He may be the one that's doing these killings, and obviously not. He has his hero moment at the end, and then they switch on that, and they're like, nope. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, I... so, I, But I can see where, there, where there's effort, even if, yeah, maybe, again, it's not as fully executed as it, as it could have been, or properly executed, but mm-hmm. they, they try. <laughs> you know what's funny, Steve? I think I had pretty much the exact same experience as you did with this movie. Um, I think I first watched it, I did like a full marathon at some point after we did the Jason Takes Manhattan episode, I think. Um, and I just watched through kind of all of them. Um, and yeah, the first time I watched this movie, I, I maybe wasn't fully paying attention because I missed 
part of the scene where they introduce Roy as the paramedic and that mm-hmm. scene where he mm-hmm. sees his son. And so it, when they did the reveal at the end, I was like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? I don't know who this <laughs> kid is. And it, I think that ruined my first experience of it, too. And then rewatching, knowing that he was the guy at the end of the movie who turns out to be Jason. Spoilers. Um, it, like that scene, there is that scene of him standing over his son's body and then he just menacingly looks at the camera. And then that little, li- just little bit of foreshadowing mm-hmm. just like kind of sold it for me. And I was kind of in it after that. Um, and I mean, there are just some characters that I really enjoy in this movie too. Like Ethel is so fucking great. I mean, spoilers for best line, but I'm pretty sure all of my lines are basically hers. Yeah. She's um, got a good script for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Reggie is a, a fun little character that I'm so glad he didn't end up dying. I thought maybe this movie might kill the kid, but they didn't kill the kid. So that's good. No. Um, uh, so Yeah. I I think the when I watched it, yeah, I don't remember exactly when we did the the uh, part. Was it part seven and Jason takes Manhattan? Is that one? I, I can't remember like all the different parts. It was like a year and a half ago or something like that. But yeah, yeah like, like that, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, rewatch rewatch. I greatly enjoyed this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I watched this movie like it would have been like black back in the blockbuster days rogers video days uh very notoriously i got on to this franchise because uh my mom would send me to the uh video store with somebody to go rent movies and she would never actually oversee what we would rent she was just like just go rent a movie like just get out of get them out of here for a few hours and uh me and my some buddies we were like yeah let's get let's get aladdin sure and then we and then um we rented Aladdin and we thought that's what we were watching and then instead we got like part four or something like that uh, and so we're like this is definitely not Aladdin but this movie rules like, especially when you're a young kid and you're watching this like all of a sudden you're like oh man I'm watching something I should not be watching <laughs> um, but it was like it was so much fun and then afterwards we were starting to sneak them out and then eventually my mom figured out that we watched them but at that point <laughs> We had watched like most of the franchise up until that point, and we were all fully on board. Um, so yeah, and then eventually at one point I got like the whole DVD box set for for a gift as a teenager, and I just started watching them all over again. And that, and then from there it just snowballed, and it's just been. I rewatch these movies every so often, and I I think Part Five gets slept on. I really do think it it is, and. You can say that for a lot of entries in this franchise. I think Part 7, Jason Takes Manhattan, also kind of gets slept on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, both movies, yeah, they have their faults for sure, but they also have their, they, they're a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a handful of good kills in this one that it's a little hard to make a decision, but... Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I think for the most part, like, the kills in this, they, they try their best to get around the MPAA. As best I yeah, like, I would say it's the the least. It, it is one of the least over the top in yeah. some regards to, to to blood and gore and stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I yeah, it might be the cleanest one of the whole series to be honest. Yeah, like honestly, this and part six. I'm not saying you should show this to kids, but you probably could get away with it a little bit because well. there's not <laughs> as much blood. Well, this one for sure has more blood than part six. Part six is mm-hmm. pretty pretty clean, but 
Um, don't take my parenting advice, though. Don't show this to your kids. Probably should not do that. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, got a few emails. Mark says, Alice Cooper's He's Back is a legit awesome song. I agree with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with or, a lot of, especially if you're a horror fan and when it comes to Alice Cooper in general, there's was, just something that Alice Cooper nailed everything on the head. He's, he's so, he's such genre fun. I realized I read ahead on part six's emails. Oops. Oh, hi, yeah. <laughs> that was like real. I'm like, that song's not in this movie. What the fuck? No, no. <laughs> uh, sorry. So Henry, actually your email is first. I am so sorry. I was so excited talk about these movies that i just was like boo uh henry says it was certainly a pretty fucking bold move to make a friday the 13th movie and have the killer be a jason copycat and not actually jason Mm -hmm. i appreciate the balls that takes i mean (laughs) you can you say what you will about what they actually like what your personal take on that is but like yeah, they they committed to killing Jason. It didn't quite work out for them. They ended up reversing course on it, but they were committing to it. They were like ready to mm-hmm. be like, "Yep, Jason's dead. We're moving on with this franchise without him." Which I think a lot of these franchises try to at some point. I mean, even um, Halloween Three tried to mm-hmm. kind of separate itself from yep. Michael Myers, and again, same kind of deal. People didn't quite take to it that well. You would think. No. I think if you're if you're making a horror movie franchise now, Terrifier maybe as an example, just don't don't deviate from your killer. People people want what they want, so yeah, exactly. But I I actually think that for me at least the twist in this is more interesting and well executed than it is in part one. Whereas in part one, it's like they introduce Pamela like at the very end of the movie, in like the last twenty mm-hmm. minutes of the movie, not even yep. maybe the last fifteen minutes, and that's like, oh, she's the killer. You don't get any like reference, or you don't see Pamela any other time in that story to ever suspect that she would be the killer. It's just here she is, she's the killer. With this, like, as interesting, like it's not as maybe great of a movie as part one, but like I feel like the the plot twist of what's going on with Roy. Like, you see Roy a few times throughout, and he's got those kind of menacing glares he gives throughout the movie, and you're like, maybe it's him? Like, maybe he could be the killer? So, I feel like, at least as a twist, it's more interesting in part five than it is in part one, or at least, you know, a little more interesting of a twist. Although... Mm, yeah. I, I, it definitely got me um, the first time that I watched this, because I totally thought oh yeah, they're gonna do the typical Tommy's got, having all these visions and it's like a fight club thing you know, where he's seeing Jason but actually he's Jason the whole time um, and then Tommy shows up when Jason's already there and I remember the feeling <laughs> that I had when that happened and I was like wait, what the fuck? What's actually happening then? Is this movie actually gonna hoodwink me? Yeah. And then for a second I was like, oh, it's that guy, the Victor. It's totally Victor. Victor's coming back. He's gone crazy. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I found out it was Roy. And of course, the first time I watched the movie, I was a little disappointed because I m- totally missed that first scene. And without that first scene, it is a little bit more like the uh, part one where you're like, who the fuck is this? I don't know who this guy even is. Yeah. Uh, and then you watch it again and properly. And uh, that, yeah, that foreshad- little foreshadowy scene, he gives that one menacing look. 
Um, and I, you know, they could have had maybe one extra scene where they throw Roy in there as like a background character and, and they do something else kind of fun with that. But even with just the one scene of him in the beginning, I, I ain't mad, actually. I, I, the, we could have done with a little more Roy, but I'm not super upset with uh, how much we got of him either. Because that, that was kind of enough. Um, and it, and it, yeah, it, it, it got me. <laughs> yeah. I do think too, like, I would have loved if instead of the sheriff or whatever, giving the expl explanation at the end or whatever, exposition, have Roy do it. Like, why didn't Roy just explain what was going on? Like, it would have been nice if there was at least like one little scene where Roy gets to at least explain what he was doing. But because Roy yeah. never really gets his time to like shine full on as a villain. Like he's either under the mask or he's paramedic Roy. He's never mm -hmm. Roy who gets to take off his mask and give his big uh, villain speech at the end, which I, I think is a bit of a missed opportunity. But mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Uriah says, one of my faves, it's a great slasher film, even if it wasn't actually Jason doing the killings. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of kills in this movie, so. And some, like, still, like, superhuman strength kills. Yeah, <laughs> you have to wonder what. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> what like, that's, that's one thing, too, that, that makes the swerve to that it's just this paramedic dude. Um, so much, like, more like just a little bit more far-fetched yeah is like <laughs> his ability to be everywhere and anywhere and to have superhuman strength yeah like need a scene of roy just like bulking up at the gym just like or yeah <laughs> almost that behind the mask type approach to it yeah uh and then mark says the killer takes out everyone except the person responsible for his son's death sarcastically i'm assuming he says makes sense yeah this i put that under dumbest decision because i think i was online and i was reading something about that and i was like oh my god victor actually just kills someone and escapes he doesn't actually get justice for his son mm -hmm. because victor just goes off and i mean i'm assuming he's in jail and he gets yeah. justice that way but still it's like every single other innocent person at that at that like troubled teens home or whatever just gets brutally murdered for a crime that they didn't even commit <laughs> yeah and again maybe it would have been nice to have roy give it his big exposition and someone's like why didn't you just kill the dude that like killed your son they call it a day um yeah yeah also it is kind of funny too that like at the end they pull out this fucking picture of Jason. I'm like, who the fuck got that close to Jason that they got a picture of him? Like, <laughs> that's a very nice photo of Jason. Somebody, I didn't even think about that. Oh. Who, who got that close to Jason to survive taking that picture? You think <laughs> the, the shutter would have sounded off and Jason would have been storming over there to kill? Right? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. Uh, best line in this movie. There's... There's a lot of good ones. I mean, I uh, Taylor, you were saying Ethel provides a lot of the great quotes in this movie. Um, yeah, um, I like she gives the whole speech to the sheriff and then she gets on the back of the bike and goes, that's my final words, and then flips the bird and drives off into the sunset on the back of the bike. Um, and then she's got that other line later, uh, right before she dies, where she's calling her son in to eat and she goes you big dildo eat your fucking slop or something like that mm -hmm. and it's, it's just so it's so good i mean i'm a sucker for joey's lines just because joey just seems like 
like mentally like like a six year old, but he's clearly mm-hmm. like a late teenager or something. It's just I don't know. <laughs> Whoever wrote Joey's lines deserve an award for best worst line because it's so bad. Uh, yeah, and like the whole line where he's like. You know, saying, if that's the way you feel, forget it, Vic. Just forget it. But I think you're really out of line. It's just... <laughs> it's it's just so encompassing of how bad, good bad this movie is. It's just, yeah. Um, I don't know. I my, Mine are just much more stupid, I think. Because <laughs> um, I just howl at the... Damn enchiladas from Demon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just these damn enchiladas and just the setup to his death is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, And just because it's indicative of how sleazy this film is in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the It's Showtime. Line. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like. Oh, Lana. Which was yeah. just an ad lib from the actress because she was. There was a movie that came out around the same time that had, um, oh shit, I'm forgetting the actor's name, but he was in Jaws. He was the sheriff in Jaws. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, Roy Scheider? That, yeah, and he says that line in, the, in that movie, so she was just ad-libbing it, which is just such a weird deep-cut reference that I don't think anybody really gets. No. But it's 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 pretty great. Well, someone's car alarm's just like going off like the motherfucker. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> um okay. Well I guess we'll power on with a car alarm just going off. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um Best performance. I mean, I'm just gonna say it right now, nobody here is a good performance. No, <laughs> at least Everyone's not in the really tradition, not in the traditional yeah. way. I think, no. I think at best you got people who understand the assignment and do it well. But like, there's nobody here that's like gonna win a best best actress or best actor or Oscar yeah. or anything. Yeah, I can't, I can't think that anyone is any good in this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could do a meta example and say that Roy as Jason was a pretty good performance. He was mm-hmm. a pretty good Jason. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm always impressed by kid actors because I'm, I am always impressed when they actually do a decent job getting into a character. Um, and I liked Reggie in this. He was fun. Um, and I'm glad, again, that he didn't die. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I think, like, Ethel, the actress that plays her, is obviously very interesting. Like, she does a good mm-hmm. job with that. Shavar yep. Ross does pretty well with Reggie. And even though I would say Miguel Nunez as Demon does a pretty good job. Like, yeah. It's the people that kind of stand out uh, amongst the mediocrity of the team. Uh, yeah. That kind of makes it, like, okay, you can tell they're... I mean, I'm sure the other actors were trying to, but maybe not as hard as those ones. But I guess, like, I would go with um, the actress that plays Ethel. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. her name, but... Um, yeah, she was, she was very good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with uh, Miguel Nunez. Yeah, he's the one that has the most future beyond this, anyway. So mm. yeah, because he was also in Return of the Evil Dead, which yep, that movie yep. fucking rules. Actually, it's kind of fun if you go watch these two movies and then go watch Return of the Living Dead because mm-hmm. 
they actually mm-hmm. borrow a lot of the actors from these movies. And uh, yep. Oh, poor Tom Matthews. <laughs> oh man, his character just goes through the shit in that movie. It's just, just you're, and it's funny because you, you're. I think you're led to believe that he's the lead of that film. Yeah. That he's the guy that's going to make it through, and it's just like, oh my fucking god, no! Just everything <laughs> awful happens to him. Uh. So I, I should say too that the actress that plays Carol or uh, Ethel is Carol Lockettel. I, I, I didn't want to leave without at least mentioning her. Oh name. yeah, but she yeah. passed away recently, April eleventh. So oh, oh wow, well, rest in peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely one of the more memorable performances of the film. Yes, yeah. for sure. And actually, if you look at her uh, filmography, it's probably one of her biggest. Actually, it arguably is the biggest movie she ever did. I mean, she. Mm-hmm. The second biggest is The Family Stone, sorry, Dermot Mulrooney, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Diane Keaton. Oh, really? Yeah, she came out in 2005, but she had a very big part in it. It was a jewelry salesperson. So, yeah, Ethel, Ethel might have been her, her time to shine. Hmm. Okay. Um, best kill. I put Eddie, even though... It doesn't make any sense because they twist the belt one way and then in the other shot they twist it yeah. another way. So really, it would actually be loosening the belt. <laughs> but you know what? Again, a for effort. It is a very cool looking kill and it's probably one of the more visible yeah. looking ones in the entire movie. That was yeah. on my list. That was on my list. Um, Victor, the the axe kill because it it's it's the only kill in this whole franchise that isn't done by uh, someone that appears to be Jason? Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, if you look at Mark Venturini's face when he's doing that, he's fucking like, just like, Rah! Right? It's great. It's so visceral. Like, it's, it's so, there's so much rage in it. So I kind of like that one. And the road flare. I, I like the road flare kill, yeah, kill as well. That's, mm. a, that's a good creative one as well. It is. It is. And, and it's kind of like a, like a, like an obvious one. But, I don't know. The way they do it in this one is it just kind of makes me chuckle. Yeah. 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 I liked the road flare too. And honestly, I liked seeing Jason fall on the spikes. That was that was pretty yeah. badass. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty good. I, I and it was fitting. I felt like if anything is gonna take him out, it's gonna be like dozens of fucking spikes going all through his body, maybe, you know? Like that but seems believable. Or even though it's not con- Jason. <laughs> super convenient though, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, oh, it's right there? Okay. Yeah, I mean, actually pretty fucking dangerous to have maybe out (laughs) on a farm like that, but very useful for fighting (laughs) as a murderous serial killer. I I feel like safety people would be like, "Mm, I don't know about that. The 80s were a different (laughs) time. Your farms had spikes laid all throughout, just in case. Right. I do love the Scooby-Doo moment of that, where the the mask gets ripped off and you're like, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It is so Scooby-Doo. 100%. It's so Scooby Doo, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Um. All right. Dumbest decision. I mean, giving somebody who clearly has a ton of mental health issues an axe, not a good idea. Just, just, just why did you? Why didn't you give them laundry duty or something? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like the guy is clearly very unhinged. That 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 might be. Like, when I think of dumb decisions in horror movies, that's got to be, like, the cover of that book. It's, like, just... Well, that and what uh, what happens in the next movie in the franchise, too, that we're going to talk about. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be an easy choice on the next movie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, 
the leniency that everybody had that that this this obvious mental kind of outpatient place they have such leniency with these people mm. yeah like they're i don't know it doesn't it, it or, or it's just or it's just not consistent enough and i that's due to the writing right yeah it just it seems like the dumbest facility Mm-hmm. To be handling some of the most dangerous or p- potentially dangerous and violent people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is it even really a facility? It's like no. a little house in the middle of nowhere run by some it's random guy. So like weird. Yeah. It's such a weird concept. Yeah. Uh, also, Kurt, you, you talked about giving Victor laundry duty earlier, but I, I just can picture a scene where he takes something and just, instead of hitting him in the back of the head with an axe, he just strangles him with a yeah. something that's hanging up on the line instead. Yeah, I, feel like, exactly. I feel like Victor would have snapped either way. Yeah, yeah, maybe just give him laundry duty by himself. Just nobody else yeah. around to bother him. He can just <laughs> listen to heavy metal music and just yeah. fight out. <laughs> That's really what have would have prevented this entire movie if somebody just gave Victor laundry duty. Yeah. Um, also, for some reason, people really want to just linger by Jason's like unconscious body way too long, or like linger in front of him while he's holding up a machete, mm. getting ready to slash you across the chest. Tommy, Tommy, yeah. maybe pay attention to what's going on, Tommy. Um, I guess I can't be too mad at him because he was probably having an episode or something. But still, there was just so many scenes where people are like walking up to Jason and they should be running instead. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I think it's time to give this movie a score. What's everyone thinking for a score for Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning? I will say that before when I watched it, it would have been probably just like watching it in sequence. Like I said, I probably would have been around like a five, six. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm going to boost it a little bit and I'm going to give it a. I'm going to go seven with this one. Wow. Mm-hmm. The redemption yeah. of part five. A, a bit, a bit. Like, it's still massively flawed. It still has yeah. issues. I think, like, regardless of how much you can actually, like, put those issues aside and enjoy the movie, it still has issues. But I think if you can kind of separate the issues from it and kind of just enjoy it as just, like, a fun ride-like experience, there's mm-hmm. there's value there. It's just, yeah, you got to sometimes ignore some of the issues right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ha- I'm on the same trajectory. I think first time I watched this, I also probably would have given, given it a six. But uh, on, upon rewatch, I think I, I'm going to go in between a seven and an eight. I think I'm going to go 7.5. Um, this is definitely, if I was doing a full rewatch, I would definitely be excited to rewatch this in the full the full gamut of Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm giving this an 8 out of 10. This is definitely on the upper half of my favorite Friday the 13th movies. I, I just enjoy it. It definitely has flaws, and I don't, I don't, uh, not acknowledge those. But, like, I don't know, just that's when you're watching it and in amongst the experience. It's so much fun. And I got, I've had plenty of chances to see this in a theater with other people. And I think, like, if you ever get the chance to see this movie in the theater with others do take it up because it's so much more fun to watch it with other people and hear their reactions. And like, Hmm. yeah, I saw it at the real once they were playing it during the Friday the 13th 
and like oh fun i overheard people being like i've never seen this movie I've never, you know, i'm like oh you guys are i've i had seen it before plenty of times so i knew where people were in for it and people were like howling laughing people were like screaming it was like just so much fun so i don't know maybe that's a part of it maybe that's why like i think if you're if you're just watching this by yourself it's definitely not as fun of an experience but if you watch it with others it's it's a it's a riot so yeah eight out of ten okay well steve where can people find you on the internet yeah i'm on twitter and instagram at the steve dead i'm also on letterboxd i think under the steve dead as well uh, my website stevestebbing.ca you can find uh you can hear me every thursday at 11 p.m pacific time on the shift with shane hewitt which is a nationwide across canada show just check your local radio listings for that one and uh, I'm also on After the Credits with uh, Marina, Bill, and Melissa. Uh, and this week, uh, we co- or this month's podcast, we covered uh, the Nicole Holoff Center film You Hurt My Feelings with uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. And we called a movie the best movie of the year. It's got uh, across the Spider-Verse, right? That's correct. That is correct. That's the film. I know it's a it's a bold assertion to say as we're only in, in the big you know first week or two of June, but uh, I mean, th- those who have seen that film know what we're talking about. So I I um I left mine my, my score to like a nine out of ten with okay. room to improve, just because I'm like I need to see how three pants out because that yeah. re- movie is really like it hard just cuts into the ending. So yeah. But we we knew that this was going to be the case, though. Yeah, yeah. Because originally it was called Part One. Yeah. So I, I I really do enjoy the movie too. But I'm like, man, I really just like. Let's see Part Three, and then I'm going to reevaluate Part Two. But like, if Part Three is as amazing as Part Two is, I'm sure I'll bump up uh, mm-hmm. Part Two up to a five out of ten or a mm-hmm. ten out of ten. Sorry. Yeah, I just like felt I was inside the screen. Like I was so into it. I don't think you'll ever see. I this might be a bull claim, but I don't think you're ever going to see a more visually interesting movie this year. I I know. I and just so many different styles and and just I I mean just when you think Daniel Kaluuya couldn't be more cool, he adds <laughs> another layer of coolness to his career, and it's just. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I'm just glad the movie's doing well because yeah, I want the movie mm-hmm. to happen and I want that to actually happen. So, <laughs> But yeah, it's doing well in the box office. So, Anyways, cool. Uh, Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? I mostly hang out on Instagram under the username Techronomicon. Um, every once in a while I'm on Twitch, but not as often anymore under the same username. Um, what else? I'm on Letterboxd, uh, under the username Circeanic, where I upload scores for the movies we watch on the podcast. And then I have a blog. You can follow, uh, dot blog. Um, if I do anything else exciting online, I post about it there. Cool. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Film Critic Kurt, Fatal Koala on Letterboxd. Uh, where you can catch such uh, hot reviews as The Wrath of Becky, which is actually a very solid movie. That movie's dope. Yes. It's definitely more John Wick than the first movie, but like, yeah. not in a bad way. It, it's, it's oh, 
there's some kills in it that are just so fucking great and some yeah. just hilarious like there's a moment towards the end of the film that ju- i was howling laughing yeah. it was just so perfect yes uh and transformers rise of the beast which i i think we can now say there's a better movie transformers movie than the first movie and it's rise of the beast by a long yeah time. i liked rise of the beast quite a bit to be yeah. honest yeah. Uh, and I'm excited about the future. Yeah, no spoilers. Uh, no, definitely not. Movie, I will not give anything. But, but the, that movie it, ends on like a setup for a sequel that I don't think I've ever seen a movie theater fucking loser shit in like such a long time as they did when that yeah. happened. And it's kind of mildly moronic when you think about it because I don't know how it's all gonna work. But like, yeah, people got excited. It was, it was as the right. As a Hasbro kid, I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will, I, I will say that. Um, oh, and I just, I, oh. I, I tagger onto that the the uh, Becky thing. Mm-hmm. I'm totally down for a Becky verse as well. <laughs> totally. Oh, and I was say about Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Pete Davidson is the best role ever. <laughs> He's so great in it. I really like him, <laughs> and it's funny that. Two movies in very quick succession of each other have both mentioned Mark Wahlberg by name. And yes. this one just happens to have him as Cade Yeager at, at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of funny because, yeah, they like meta dropped like that he l- was leaving the Funky Bunch or something. Was like, yeah, right? And you're like, like but he's Cade Yeager. Yeah. It should have been like, are you excited for that new Michael Bay movie, Armageddon? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 94, yo. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now.